don't know, um, we are building a new church facility for us right behind Target. We're excited to be in that this fall. So stand with me for a moment because we do have really exciting news. We get to fill in three more chairs this week and that officially marks the halfway point at $150,000. Praise God. We started that um, back at the end of April and um, you have all given so generously, and we thank you for that, and we praise God for that, and we're excited to welcome our pastors back home. They're out celebrating some sweet times with family right now, and they'll get to come back. We will have crossed the halfway point threshold when they come back, and what a great welcome back home. So anyway, this morning, without further ado, I want to welcome and introduce Joey Rackstad. He'll be bringing the word this morning, so please give him a warm welcome. Hear me? Yes, now we can. I like you guys standing. You should all stand with me the whole time, huh? That was kind of fun. No? Oh, well, we tried. <laughs> all right, so yeah, my, I'm Joy Rackstead. I've been a part of uh, Harvest for, I don't know, a decade probably. And I'm uh, really blessed to be able to speak this morning. I'm grateful to uh, Pastors Mike and Rhonda for the opportunity. It's not a light thing to offer up your, you know, your church and your platform, you know, but they're very trusting leaders, and they are, they're equipping leaders, and it's such a blessing. So also thanks to Angie, always with a powerful anointed word, and for facilitating this morning. And um, so basically this morning, this is my second round, okay? So I don't know, maybe I'll get better, maybe I'll get worse. We'll find out. But I'll trust the Lord either way. <laughs> and uh, so basically this morning, I'm going to continue in the Hot Topic Summer Series. Um, you guys have asked questions, and... We had different Sundays to answer different questions. I'm going to tackle uh, hot topic questions regarding worship this morning. And I'm also going to just basically you know, answer them very practically, but also I'm praying for a paradigm shift within our hearts uh, of how we understand and approach worship and when we consider and enter into worship, whether that's here, there, or anywhere else. Um, so with that, let's pray and invite the Lord to lead us. So, Holy Spirit, I pray that you come this morning, that you'd anoint me, that you'd be over and around me, and that you would fill me with your words, and that you would lead us into all truth this morning. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would reveal in a deeper, deeper way the revelation of the glory and the majesty of God to us. Give us a glimpse, give us, just give us a little bit that we can be blown away by the glory of God this morning so that we would be changed. That is our prayer, and I thank you that you will do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, is the light, lighting a little different uh, since uh, last time I was up here? I need a little more lighting for my notes. would be cool. Anyway, so so basically, during this message, I want to encourage you guys to take notes. I'm sorry, I, don't, I didn't do a PowerPoint. Um, but just take notes. Journal if that's your thing. Um, write down the honest reflection when the Holy Spirit prompts you, um, especially regarding your motives uh, regarding worship. So, also, we just prayed, so let's expect revelation uh, during this message. He is faithful. He will answer our prayers, okay? And um, we agreed that he's going to, so let's be attentive to him. So to start out this morning, I just have a question for you guys. Uh, don't answer it out loud, but just ponder it in your hearts. Journal it if that's, your, if that's your thing. I encourage you to do that. But here's the question. So what is your goal when you come to church and enter a worship service? 
Okay, think about that for a moment. Selah. What is your goal when you come in? What are your expectations when you come into a worship setting? Okay, what is it you're looking for? Think about it. You know, and, and with that in mind, you know, sadly from many of our so-called worship experiences and backgrounds that we've grown up in, we've all been conditioned to expect certain things, okay? Such as a certain level of entertainment, uh, good visual stimulus with the stage, the lighting. We expect an awesome professional team and all these different things. Or in some circles uh, that you maybe grew up in, maybe it was more of a somber, withdrawn, uh, maybe more even scripted form of worship that you're used to. But we've been conditioned, okay? And here's the thing. Whatever the experience has been, we need to be aware of it because it shapes the way we worship. And again, I touched on these already, but there's entertainment that you might be looking for. Maybe you're just looking for a good feeling when you come into a worship scenario. Uh, some people say, I just like the live music. You know, it's kind of cool. That's cool. Uh, it's a chance to sing. Some people just love to sing. Those are good things. But, or maybe the attitude is this. Well, this is just what we do on Sundays. We just go to church. We do worship. We sing songs. This is just the religious practice that we do. Uh, and there's not much thought put into it. And some others might, you know, might say, I'm just not into the worship service, you know. I'm just waiting for it to get done so I can hear a really positive, good message. And I believe I've got the message just for you, if that's the way you think. So, here's my first foundational point. If you're taking notes, I'm just going to intro with a quick story. So basically there was a mega church, right? It's a very popular church. I'm not trying to uh, kind of beat him up with this story. But the, the pastor's wife made a comment in a message one morning. And she basically said this, I quote, When you come to church, when you worship him, you're not doing it for God, really. You're doing it for yourself. Because that's what makes God happy when we are happy. Okay, hold up. Ready for a shocker? This is my first foundational point. Worship is not about you. I'm going to say it again. Worship is not about you. And I'm not trying to beat up that, that pastor's wife. She got a lot of flack for that statement. Well, understand, that's not what I'm saying. He's happy and we're happy. Listen, you're going to come in in a twisted place if you come in with that mentality. And worship at its core and foundation and purpose, it is not about you. It's about him. Amen. I'm not, that's not going to change. That's the biblical truth. And that me-centric mentality will absolutely stifle the Holy Spirit's moving when we gather, okay? We need to see clearly what our motives are when we approach the throne of God. And hold on, I understand. I know what some of you are thinking. You know, I agree that we receive a lot when we worship Him, don't we? Isn't that true? We receive a lot, okay? But we can get fooled into thinking, you know, well, it's, it's about me then. I received so much. I want to go and get something this morning. It's a great experience. And it's right to enjoy it and be joyful because when we worship Him purely, He comes. I said He comes. And He brings everything we need. In His presence is fullness of joy, Okay? But when we worship, it's not for us, it's not because of us, and it's not unto us. That's your first point. Okay, how to enter into worship. Here's a few keys. First one, the first step to enter in, you must be born again. Is the first step. If you want to enter into worshiping the Lord, you have to be born again. In the Old Testament, the priests, the Levites, they had so much they had to do to go through, uh, from ceremonial washings to wearing certain garments, uh, they had to abstain from certain foods and activities, all in order to be consecrated or set apart 
or prepared for the acts of worship, okay? So what is our consecration today? We don't have to do what they had to do, right? What's our, what's our consecration today? What sets us apart? It's the blood of Jesus. It's done. We've been consecrated when we enter in, when we're born again, because he is the way that we may enter by. He is the door. And I said this first service, I'm going to say it again. If I, if I start talking like this and you start thinking in your head, you know, I've heard this story before, this gospel thing. I get it. I know it. I don't really need to hear it or pay attention again. I'm going to say it again. You need to hear it again and again and again and again. And you need to love the gospel again. People of God, we need to love the gospel again. Don't shut down when someone starts talking about the mercy of the Lord and the sacrifice of Jesus. We need to love it. We need the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. He is our righteousness. His blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness, the word tells us. But with that in mind, we also have a responsibility. We have a walk of holiness that we're responsible for, and it actually affects the honesty and the integrity of our worship. And it affects our ability to enter into worship. Okay, Double-mindedness will not produce fruit in your life. It actually produces death. See, when sin comes in, it produces shame, it produces doubt, it produces confusion, and then we become self-focused. Isn't that right? We've all experienced this. And our minds are distracted, our souls are withdrawn, and we often don't want to connect with others. We don't let alone connect with the Spirit of God with its penetrating light. Now, sin always points within, and it takes your eyes off of Him. It will not let you enter into worship purely and wholly. It will be in the way, but he's removed it, okay? He's freely given us grace and mercy, his word, his spirit, in order to live free from sin and the effects of sin and condemnation. Therefore, now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Grab a hold of mercy today. It's available. You can walk free, okay? In the same vein, there's three biblically prescribed ways to come before the Lord, and I would call them three keys to the heart of God. I'm going to share them with you here. First one, come with thanksgiving in your heart and on your tongue. Okay, Step, that's first key to the heart of God when you come to worship. Thanksgiving in your heart and on your tongue. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. The second key is this. It's humility. I'm not going to jump into that right now. We'll touch more later. I said it again. I'll say it again. Just know you're not that cool. You're not that cool, and I'm not that cool. I mean, RJ's not that cool. I thought he was, but sometimes he is. Phil is that cool. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, but humility. We come with humility. We also come with, third key is intentionality, okay? When I come before the Lord, I want to be purposeful and not lazy. I don't want to be distracted. See, God tells us in his word that if we seek him with all our hearts, he will be found by us. And if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. See, there's an intentionality that's required. It's available, yet we have to come. We have to take it at times. So don't just punch a spiritual clock on Sunday mornings. Be intentional, right? Amen? Amen. Somebody punched the clock. I thought they fell asleep on the job there. Okay. So, my next point is this, worship is not a Sunday morning only event. If the church has taught you that, the church in large, I want to ask your forgiveness on their behalf. This is not it. 
This isn't everything in the Christian life. Worship does not end here. It can begin here. Another thing to understand, if you come to church on Sunday and you come in and you just don't feel like praising and you might feel stuck, uh, I'm going to tell you it's probably because you weren't worshiping during the week. This is just the way it is. And you have to break through the flesh and break off the negativity of the world before you're even able and ready to worship. Okay? Worship is not a Sunday morning event. And I'll tell you, corporate worship is wonderful, it's powerful, and there's a difference when we are together. There's an anointing here, which I'll talk more about later. But hear me, worship is a lifestyle and not a once-a-week event. Worship is a lifestyle. Now, some people might say, I just don't get worship, I don't understand it, it's foreign to me, it's odd. Um, Well, I'm just going to try to help you out. I think you're wrong, I think you're lying, because I believe everyone understands much more about worship than they even know. All right? We, they just don't call it by the same name. We understand worship. Let me tell you why. We were all created to worship. This is what we are made for. We are created to worship. And worship can come in the form of an intentional giving of time, attention, affection, energy, wealth, praise, any of those means to any particular person, activity, object, created thing, or spiritual entity you choose. But worship is innate within each one of us. And others actually literally worship Satan. That goes on around us. They worship demons. Some do it it knowingly. Some do it unknowingly. Uh, I don't have time to get all that of the cult worship and different cultures, forms of worship, but just know they are much more spiritually minded than we are here in America. They're far more spiritually mindful. But sadly, they're pagan. God's not present. They give so much effort, so much attention. For what? To be led astray. It's very sad. They need the gospel. We should love the gospel, people of God. Excuse me. Now, speaking to us Americans, many of us at t- many times, you know, we've, we've all worshipped our possessions, just be honest. You know, we worship maybe what we have or what we don't have, yet our homes, vehicles, collections, whatever it is, and some folks even worship themselves. They desire the praise and approval of others. But I'm gonna t- I can divert because I've got more minutes this time. I'm going to tell you this, if you feel that need for others' praise and worship, you need to be filled with the Spirit of God, and He will show you your true identity and the value of your life, apart from any other person's opinion. You are valuable apart from any person's opinion, any words that they can speak over your life. He's spoken the words that matter, okay? We don't need others' worship. We don't need their approval. We want to good examples and and please others and and love others. But I'm saying you don't seek that. You don't need that. We're not desperate for that. Um, So where was I? Yeah, so another example. Many people enjoy and appreciate nature outdoors, right? They just get out there and say, I just love it. This is Mother Earth and it's just amazing. You know, but they're out there, they have no knowledge of God. So they worship what they can see, right? They worship the creation and not the creator. That's a form of worship, right? Also, others, I already said this part. I'm going to skip that, sorry. Um, But anyways, moving on. So when those people, we've all done it, but when folks worship themselves and desire the praise and approval of others, someone say pride. 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 Ooh, very dangerous, okay? Now, sin could get lumped into three main categories, some say, and they're described in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, and it says this, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, 
The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And now everything I've just mentioned, these are all forms, right? Twisted forms of worship, right? Or simply that are the result of the corruption of worship from its intended original design, which is unto our Creator. And FYI, here's a, here's a little tidbit for you. The entertainment industry, Hollywood, etc., they have perfected the art of creating and maintaining and, I don't know how to say it, whatever. They've perfected the art of creating worshipers. The entertainment industry. Think about it. They got rock stars. They got American idols. We have sports stars, models, movie stars, the rich, the famous, you know, you name it, whatever. Um, they know how to get our attention. They know how to hold it. They know how to get our emotions tied up in it, our money, our time. We spend countless, countless hours staring at screens, admiring, wishing, thinking, pondering, meditating on these, these people and these, these ideologies out there. We go to events, pay thousands of dollars to be entertained. We'll go any distance and do most anything to get a signature. And like I said it earlier, some people want it on their face. They don't, oh, please give me your signature. Whatever it is, maybe a piece of memorabilia or maybe to actually just see these stars in, in person. And oh my, if, we, if a fan you know, meets one of these heroes of theirs, they praise them, they worship them, they're groveling, they're basically falling over, they're crying, they're weeping. That's worship. They're worshiping those people. And here's a little, little chide for you. Listen, at sporting events, time of worship this morning, at sporting events, I've heard Mike say it too, y'all lose your minds, all right? You're going nuts, you're throwing your hands up, you're jumping, you're screaming. I mean, going absolutely nuts. Think about it. It's true. I'm not saying it's wrong, you know, but listen, then we get in here, it's like, what's the deal? You know, anyway, so we know how to worship. It's innate. We understand it very, very well. It's a choice. And we also understand applause, okay? Just to hit a point. We applaud at the time, you know, at the time of events or to give recognition and praise to individuals. He did a wonderful job. We love you. You're awesome. We know how to do that. That's a good thing. So when we're in church and we offer a praise clap offering, just FYI, it's the same thing. We're applauding the Lord. We're giving praise, adoration. Psalm 47, 1 through 2 says, Oh, clap your hands, all you peoples. Shout to God with a voice of triumph, for the Lord Most High is awesome. He is a great king over all the earth. And ultimately, you will worship whether you realize it or not. You will worship. So we have a choice in the matter. How and who will we worship? Now, <clears throat> quick little topical thing. Why do people like worship music? Well, what's the big deal? It's kind of weird. Some of it's different. It's kind of slow. You know, I kind of like the sound of other music that's more secular. The beat sounds better. You know, I like it. It makes me want to move. Um, so I understand that. I'm not saying you're, you know, you're off base or anything. But, you know, sometimes the songs that we hear in church or whatever, they're not the same. They're not what we're used to listening to. Uh, but in my personal experience, the answer really quickly is this. I made the choice to use these times of worship whether it's Sunday morning or elsewhere, to give my heart to the Lord and to make the most of the time regardless of the external stimulus going in my ear. Okay, we can get stuck. I'm not digging this song this morning. I don't know those worship team guys. I'm not sure what's up with them. That guy's voice is a little, you know. And, um, you know, we can get all twisted up and we can get confused and distracted. But listen, 
It's not about the music. I'm just going to say it. it's not about the music. It's an opportunity. And our Harvest, guys, we worship team, they strive for excellence. It's good to strive for excellence. You don't always hit it. That's not the point. We try to do our best for the Lord. But, again, and if you guys don't know, you know, can't find God honoring music that you like, it doesn't sound good. Listen, nowadays, talk to Quinn, talk to myself, ask somebody here. There is so much God honoring, solid, talented, gifted music out there today in any genre. It's incredible. You just probably can't find it because it's not playing on the radio. All right, so come ask somebody, talk about it. There is good music. So here's what I'll challenge you with with your personal music selection, okay? Here or otherwise. Does the music you prefer give glory to God? B, does it draw you into closer relationship with God? Does it encourage you to love him? This matters to believers. There's something about music that is a power of inspiration and persuasion upon our souls. It can change our moods. It can inspire us, right? It can become imprinted in our minds. It gets stuck in your head. Mm. Please understand there's an ideology in most music that is designed to pull you away from God. It is imprinted in there. It is intentional. You say, I don't know, it's just fun. Have you ever listened to it? Listen to the words. It's, in, it's, uh, it's important what goes into your soul. So that's my little challenge for you for, as a parent. Feels like I'm parenting. Anyway, something I would heard as a kid too, right? But anyways, I'm just purposeful in what I listen to now. You know, my, my, my choices have changed in my music selection. My heart desires to worship, so I choose to spend my time and attention and energy meditating on the Lord and actually seeking Him rather than just listening to music for entertainment value, which, you know, most of the time, sometimes that's okay. I'm not saying you can. It's not a sin. Uh, but there's a value, um, an opportunity there. So I will say this in wrapping up this point. I truly enjoy worship music far more than anything else out there. I like a variety of it, but I enjoy it the most because I want to be attentive to the Lord. I want to be aware of him more and more. And I'll be honest, I could sing love songs to Jesus all day long, and I'm not ashamed of that one single bit. Not one single bit. You can have the rest of it. You can have the world, man. Empty, emptiness. So, next point. Why is worship important and or an important part of Sunday service? And why do we worship? It's biblical. It's a means to give glory to God. I'm gonna, I've got an example here when Jesus entered Jerusalem in Luke chapter 19, and he says this. It says, all the people were praising him. They said, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. They were declaring him the son of God, the Messiah. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, teacher, rebuke your disciples. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. He will receive his worship. He will receive what is due him. He is faithful regardless of our faithless, faithlessness. So, and I want to challenge you guys, don't just be an observer in a worship setting. Don't be silent. Understand this, that no one can love God for you. No one can praise him for you. No one yeah, can worship and honor him for you. Only your lips, your mouth, your heart, you can only express for you to God. Your wife can't do it for you. Your pastor can't do it for you. The worship team cannot do it for you because though we're in a corporate setting, he can see you individually. He's not, he doesn't see, not see you personally. He can still see us individually and he cares. He desires our love. 
So don't be an observer. Understand this. I'm going to say this. I will praise him in the land of the living. I will not be silent. I declare that I will not be silent. He will receive the glory to his name from my heart and my lips. And while I'm on this topic, worship does not have to mean singing. doesn't mean you got to be singing and doing all these things. One definition actually says this, to kneel or lay prostrate or lay face down before someone is an act of reverence. This is worship, okay? This is worship, not just singing a song. In Matthew 14, Jesus was walking on the water. Peter came out to him, and as they got back into the boat, he actually says this in uh, verse 33. It says, Then those who were in the boat, they came and they worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Now in this moment, we're reading this, they're worshipping him. Oh, they must be singing a nice hymn to Jesus in the boat. No, worship does not necessarily mean singing a song, okay? They're speaking with their lips. They're declaring the glory and the praise of God, right? That's worship. I believe they were bowing before him in the best way they knew how. This is worship. Another aspect of worship is this, attention and affection. We all have it. It's available. It's something we can give. I have the example of Jesus when he was at Mary and Martha's house and Lazarus's home. Uh, Mary was so busy in serving Jesus that she actually forgot to listen to Jesus. She forgot to worship him. She forgot to adore him. But her sister Mary was at the feet of Jesus. She was beholding the Lamb. Remember when John the Baptist invited them in, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. When the Father spoke over Jesus when he was baptized in the Jordan River, what did he say? He said, Behold my Son. Behold the Son. Don't be too busy. And Jesus said, after Martha chided Mary, Jesus, my sister's not helping. Tell her to come help me. He said this. He says, she has chosen the better part, and it will not be taken from her. We can minister to Jesus. We can minister to him. We can do it here. We can do it in private. And we can bring him offerings in worship. And a little, little FY again. This altar, we sometimes call it a stage, but there's an altar here, okay? And in the Old Testament, altars were made for sacrificing offerings, okay? Not exalting performers or speakers. You know, at an altar, we can bring offerings of repentance. We can bring offerings of praise, of worship, or tears. Or maybe you want to dance before the Lord. Or simple, humble adoration. Whatever it is, the altar is there. And uh, we can become an altar in our hearts as well for the Lord. So come and behold the Lamb. Give Him your attention. Give Him your affection. This is worship. There's also the anointing and the power of the sound of worship. See, there's an anointing present when we worship in holiness and faith by the Spirit. There's an anointing to prophesy, to break heavy yokes and oppression. This is present in worship. In 1 Samuel 16, this is Old Testament, when Saul was tormented by an evil spirit, David would come and play his harp, and the tormenting spirit would leave Saul. And also when Samuel was older in his life, Samuel was asked to speak on behalf of of a king, kind of a a little sketchy king, but he was asked to speak. And Samuel actually asked for a, a musician to come and play before him in order to prophesy. 
there's something, an anointing in music that is there. So, and then Samuel did prophesy. Another example, Paul and Silas sang praises while they were in prison, chained, and the chains broke and the prison doors burst open when an earthquake came. As they were praising and worshiping God, everyone in that prison heard it, and then the jailer heard it, and his whole household was saved. God got all the glory. So if you need God to send an earthquake in your life, you need to break some things loose, right? Open some doors, then begin to praise unashamedly, no matter your circumstances, take heart. He is our living hope. Friends, worship is not about us. It's not. But we have so very, very much to gain in the process. There's so much available when we worship. If we have the correct mentality, if we come in humility, he's there. He will meet our needs. And lastly, I want to touch on uh, the expression of worship. Okay? There's some aspects to this I want to talk about, different acts of worship. Um, and I want you to understand, as I'm, pre- as, I'm, as I'm talking through this, you do not have to worship in an exuberant, wild way all the time. That is not what I'm saying. Not at all. The expression of our worship will vary person to person, from moment to moment, as we behold the Lamb, as we come before the living God. It will vary. It does not have to look a certain way. That's legalism. We don't fall into that here. But I will tell you that I believe you should be free to express your worship and praise without fear of judgment and in obedience to the Spirit's leading. That is what I'm telling you. Now, I actually believe that when the Spirit of God comes in our gatherings one day, when he will actually come in in power, the middle ground will actually be removed. I don't think it's going to be an option. I think we'll either be undone in praise or silent on our faces in awe and the fear of the Lord. That's the presence of the Lord that I desire. And I want you to desire that too. One day I pray we will experience them, him in that measure together. Uh, so here's a little point for you guys. Worship just doesn't seem manly. Mm. You know, I'm going to say this because we're men. Maybe your definition of manly is twisted. Okay, is honor manly? Is respect manly? Is love manly? Yes, it is. It is manly. Who's our example? Jesus. Okay? He's our perfect example. Manliness and godliness, and we need the both of them intertwined. We need to become Christ-like. You know, he wasn't afraid to weep in public. He wasn't afraid to pray in public. He wasn't afraid to lift his voice and declare the praise of his Heavenly Father in public. And neither should we. That's a challenge. Here's another topical issue. Now, why do some people raise their hands during worship? Really basic. Again, we talked about the sports thing already, guys. It can be excitement. Um, it's a, so for us, it's an expression of surrender. It's very freeing. Just, if you haven't done it, it's very freeing. It's an expression of exaltation, an expression of honor and even excitement. I said that. And sometimes it's all that I can do to express what my heart feels towards the Lord. It's, it's like I, I need to do something. It's all I can do. So, if you've never raised your hands in worship, that's okay. I encourage you to try it sometime when you're alone. Try it when you're alone. But if you can't lift your hands when and give God's thanks when you're alone, then I'm concerned for your heart. I'm concerned for your heart. Okay? Nobody's there. Why can't you do it there? And inversely, if you can raise your hands to God in private and worship Him, why can't you do it in public? It's, I'm just being straightforward. 
This is not a rebuke. Again, you're free to worship however you feel, and I will not stand in judgment over anyone. But I just remember the unction I had to raise my hands and worship as a young man as I grew up, and it was there, but I had the fear of man on me like an anvil. I, I cared far too much. I tried to manage the impression of every single person around me, and I was too scared to do what my heart felt like doing. I said it earlier, Angie's son, Caleb, she had a picture when she preached, the young man on his knees before the Lord, worshiping. That is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. That matters. That matters. Um, where was I? Anyways, yeah, I mean, it took me a long time, many years to go from here to 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 here. To here, uh-oh, two, what's that one doing? To here, I mean, it's like, what's the big deal? Why did it take years? Because I was afraid of what people thought about me. I was afraid of what people thought about me. And you know what? When I finally was able to enter in the way I felt in my heart to worship, there's a freedom there. It's a beautiful thing. So I encourage you in it. I encourage you in it. You know, some of us, we grew up under a religious spirit of bondage and oppression. We need to become childlike again and unashamed like Caleb was in that picture. Unashamed. You know, here's a fact for you guys. I don't believe that people don't have it in them to express worship. I believe we actually hold it back. We actually constrain the unction of the spirit within us to preserve our image. But it's not about your image. You are made in his image. Here's a question. Write it down if you're writing notes. Is your image for your own glory? Is your image for your own glory? I'm going to read an example from 2 Samuel 6, verses 12 through 22. In verse 14, it says, this is, this is King David, okay? The guy who slew how many armies? He's pretty manly, okay? And he's bringing the Ark of the Lord, which represented the presence of God, back into Jerusalem. This is important. He knew how important this was. And it says in verse 14, Then David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And David was wearing a linen ephah. That's basically like a, a thin undergarment because he's I got to move. <laughs> he got rid of the rest. He didn't care what people thought. I need to dance with all my might. And it said that all the house of Israel brought up the Ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. And I'm going to tell you, David's mighty men were there too. I guarantee you, they were there too. So it is manly to worship. They recognize the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. But here's what I want to point out. The next verse says that Michal, Saul's daughter, looked out of a window and saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, and she despised him in her heart. My question for you is, why was she not present with the procession? Where was she? She was absent. I believe she wasn't concerned with God receiving glory. She was worried about losing her dignity. She was worried about preserving her self-image and the image of the king. She was worried about him. You're looking like a fool. But guess what? That's going to reflect bad on me. Self-preservation will kill you. It will absolutely paralyze you. And then David replies. This is after McCall then rebukes him, saying, you fool, you look like a fool out there. He said to Michal, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this in your eyes. He said, it's about the Lord. It is not about you. So be unashamed. 
And I'll tell you, the fear of man is a snare. It will paralyze you and keep you from living the life you're called to live. Don't fall into it. It's a snare. It's a trap. And like Saul's daughter, do not stand in judgment of others' worship. It's a dangerous place to be. It's a slippery slope. Don't fall into it. Don't fall into the temptation. What's that person's motive over there? What are they trying to really get get out of that? They want attention, huh? Yeah. Whatever the thoughts of your heart are, just don't go there. If you're here or somewhere else, it's you before the Lord, and it's them before the Lord. Don't enter into judgment. One quick thing, if you, if you find yourself doing that, I want to challenge you because if you see someone dancing before the Lord or expressing themselves, often they, oh, they're showing off. They're doing this and other thing. But the reality is if you had actually admitted, you know what, they're genuine. Their worship is genuine. What if it is? Then it might kind of challenge you a little bit, wouldn't it? Oh, man, that worship is genuine. The Lord it pleases the Lord. Am I pleasing the Lord? It's not about what you're doing. It's not the acts, not the specific thing. I'm just saying, don't fall into that trap. Be free to worship in the way you worship the Lord in purity. Amen? Don't be ashamed. All right. And Jesus said this in Mark 12, 30, and he is telling it to us today. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. What does that mean? Love him with everything you are. Don't hold back. It doesn't matter who's in the room. And the psalmist wrote again, he said, let everything within me on the inside bless his holy name. It's not just the outward expression. He said, everything within me. If it needs to come out, let it come out. Choose to worship, choose to praise. Do not be hindered by the fear of man. Okay, you know, worship team, why don't you guys come up and join me as we wrap up. Thank you for your attentiveness this morning. It's an honor to deliver this word to you all this morning. And as we transition into a time of worship here at the end, understand this. You know, today we have a choice to worship, right? We can say, no, I don't feel like it. I'm not really feeling it today. Maybe next week. But one day every knee will bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's everyone, not just the believers. We have the choice right now. One day will not just be an option. It will be the only option. And you will bow your knees to the King of Kings and you will understand as you are descending to your knees and possibly on your face before the living God, you will not wonder, why am I doing this? You've seen the Lord. You won't question, why do I need to worship? It'll be very apparent. It'll all be there. In Revelations 4 and 5, it describes a picture in heaven, the throne, the throne room, if it's a room. And it says in Revelations chapter 4, verse 9 through 11, And whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks, glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who is seated on the throne, and they worship him who lives forever and ever, and they cast their crowns before the throne. And they say this, Worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist. This is going on in heaven now. It will never end. When you see one glimpse, 
if you, friends, if you caught one glimpse of this wonderful creator, this savior, all your questions would melt away. They'd all melt away. I wouldn't have to preach a message. Just one glimpse. Your questions would be gone. Why do I need to worship? Seek his face. You'd ask the Lord, open my eyes, O God. Holy Spirit, give me a glimpse. And you know, right now we may only see in part, but one day we will see fully. And oh, what a day that will be together. What a day that will be. As we wrap up, my last question for you is this. Will you, we have a choice, will you give your life as a living sacrifice to God in worship starting today? Doesn't matter what happened in the past. Doesn't matter what you didn't do. Will you start? Whatever that looks like. Will you offer up your life as a living sacrifice? Our lives as worship. You know, why don't you all just stand with me as we close? You know, some of us, we may need, may need to return to him in first love. This is a reality. Sometimes we wander. Sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we get distracted. Sometimes we need to return. We need to come back. We need to make a choice. Return to the things you did at first. Revelations tells us. Come back to the Lord. If you need to repent, repent. Confess, Lord, I've made worship about myself. I've had a twisted perspective of worship. If so, I challenge you to do something about it. Don't be silent. See, we were told of another Mary who came to Jesus as he was in one of the Pharisees' houses. And she was a great sinner. She was a great sinner. But she worshipped Jesus to the dismay of the religious men in the room. And she poured out her expensive perfume and she anointed him. And she even kissed his feet and humbled herself in a holy act of worship that Jesus said will be told everywhere. And here's what Jesus said of her. He said, I tell you, her sins which are many are forgiven because she loved much. So listen, if you need to meet Jesus for the first time, there's an opportunity right now you're not praying a prayer to become a member at this church, okay? You don't need to come to a stage. Just come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. It's not the specific words. It's the confession and the faith within your heart when you declare him as Lord. If that's you this morning, join me in this prayer. Do not leave. You can be changed today. Your life can turn around today. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I recognize that I am a sinner. I'm a great sinner, but I come before you in humility right now. I recognize that you are the Son of God. You are the only way to the Father. Jesus, I need you. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. I surrender my life to you right now. Change me. Make me new. 
Fill me with your spirit. Jesus, I worship you. I love you. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, we want to talk with you. Make it real. Tell someone. Tell someone. If there's altar ministry workers, please come forward.